Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Hello, and welcome to this summertime episode of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. And I'd like to begin this week's program with a highly personal question. I know no one needs to see your answer. Have you ever been fat-shamed? Most of us in our 40s and 50s don't have the sleek, young, athletic bodies that we did in our 20s. Okay, some of us never had these ideal, in-shaped bodies, but here's the reality. In our middle years with career and family responsibilities, everything we've got to do, who has time and energy for losing weight and keeping it off? And although it is thoughtless and rude to criticize another for his or her weight or appearance, it happens almost every day to men and women like you and me, even to noted celebrities such as Selena Gomez, Kelly Clarkson, and Amy Schumer. And my first guest today, acclaimed motivational speaker and corporate trainer Nicole Black, was flat-shamed not just by others, but also by herself for over 30 years. And she battled for years to take weight off, only to gain it back, plus more. And she reached the peak when she packed an extra 100 pounds on her 5-foot, 1-inch frame. But remarkably, she has trimmed down to 118 pounds. And perhaps most remarkable of all, she was able to lop off all that extra weight while well, she operated a successful French bakery. <laughs> to lose weight while you're operating a bakery is really remarkable. And she's here today to share with you and me how we, like she did, can win our battles with excess weight, and more importantly, how we can overcome our inner insecurities and achieve genuine self-love. And here's Nicole Black's bio. She's founder of the 10 Series a company designed to help other business owners to get on the right track for success. She's a motivational speaker who seeks to inspire others that leading with kindness is the best way to build a successful and sustainable business. And she's author of the highly acclaimed 2018 book, Fat Shamed, Ditch the Shame, Get Confident, and Claim the Life You Deserve. And she's here today to share with you and me how to overcome our battles with weight, whether we're 10 pounds overweight or 100. And hello, Nicole Black. Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Hi, Roy. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be a guest on your show. Well, let's begin by talking about your own years of yo-yo dieting frustration, from obese to thin, from thin to obese. Why was it like so many folks you were able to lose the excess weight but were unable to keep it off? I think that so what would happen is, and it's interesting because I didn't figure it out until later on, but, you know, I would get thin and then um, all of a sudden I would start to get attention from people 
And that would trigger me into, oh, no, I don't want to be seen. I want to be invisible again. And then I would gain weight again. And then hmm. then I get back to the heavy part. I was, you know, it's so funny because it took me 40-some-odd years to learn this. And and now that I know it, it's, I almost kind of laugh at myself when I'm like, hmm. Because, you know, even still, like, I'll gain five pounds. It's very easy to do, especially you know, like after forty. It's very easy to gain weight. Yeah. Why would? Why in the world would you not want to be seen by people when you were thin and attractive? You know, I think that a lot of that stemmed from trauma as a teenager. I was assaulted as a teenager, and um, it really changed the way that I saw myself and the way that I thought others saw me. Which it of course was amazing. Is, when you were only 12 years old, your grandmother said something to you that you say wounded you as deeply as a sharp knife. What did your grandmother yes. tell you? She uh, looked at me and she said, you're fat. And the was, funny thing is, Roy, I was thinner then than I am now. I was not fat. I was, I just wasn't a stick figure. What, what in hindsight caused her to do that? There must be some problem with herself with the she was striking out like that. I don't know why anyone would uh, be so cruel, especially to a preteen. You know, I think that um, they talk about, some people talk about how families, like, carry traumas on with them. Hmm. And uh, my aunt, my her daughter, my mom hmm. has since passed away, but my aunt told me very recently, she said, you know, Nana was nicer to you than anybody. Hmm. And I thought, oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd hate to be so think didn't like. <laughs> exactly. She just had, you know, she just had a chip on her shoulder. I think that her life wasn't what she wanted it to be. And, um, you know, and I think it's very easy for people to lash out at other people. I mean, think yeah. about it. Like, even when you're in your car on the road, right, and somebody cuts yeah. you off, you oh, yeah. Ah! <laughs> yeah, I, I'm mad at the car. I don't even know the individual that's in the car. I just think there goes that Chevrolet. I just think, okay, you can have the road. I don't care anymore. But but now I drive like a grandparent, so. Yeah, don't we all? In your book, you reveal it as a last resort. You eventually opted for bariatric surgery to overcome your obesity, but that the real work began after the surgery. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, it's funny because I've heard a lot of times, oh, you know, gastric sleeve surgery or any surgery, oh, you're taking the easy way out. And you're actually not because it changes the your physical body so much that, you know, you can no longer overeat. So it's it's a tool. But yeah. you can also, you know, the stomach's a muscle. You can stretch it back out again. So if you're not focused and paying attention to you know, like something, my old trigger was um, I used to call myself a midnight snacker because I, <laughs> sitting on the couch at night, there's my refrigerator, you know. Yeah. And and so now, like, if I ever, like, stand up and it's 10 o'clock at night and I think, whoa, you know, it's it's still like one of those things where you have to say to yourself, am I hungry or am I needing comfort from something else? Yeah, and usually true. it's the latter. Yeah. Well, uh, you were able once and for all to overcome your weight problem when you accomplished self-love. 
I know that's what your book, Fat Shame, is all about. Can you give us a hint or two on how to get started on the journey to love ourselves, whatever our current weight may be? What steps can we take to break a constant pattern of feeling like a victim and blaming ourselves? Well, you know, Roy, it's interesting. The first step is really to forgive yourself. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's like so much easier said than done, but to really look in the mirror and say, you know, oh, my gosh, uh, you are the most important person in my life, right, yourself, <laughs> because you're the only person you are guaranteed to get to the end of this life with. Yeah, and so true. once <laughs> – but it doesn't really hit you until it does, right? And then you think, oh, I guess I need to start being a little bit nicer to Nicole. And then I I am not a huge um, exercise fanatic. I'm not a huge fan of exercising. But I found something called yin yoga, and it's spelled Y-I-N. And what I liked about it was that you hold the poses for three to five minutes, which actually allows your brain to rest and to relax into something. So you can feel in your body where you're holding your tension, and then you can start to be a little bit kinder to yourself and start to let it go. Oh, I see. So self-forgiveness and yin yoga, those are my two first steps that everybody needs to take, you know, before surgery. Yeah. Surgery is definitely last resort. Yeah, hopefully most people can uh, get there without the surgery. But uh, you talk about seven steps that you and I can take after after a surprise fat shaming. Can you go through those seven steps? Because I think we all get shamed in some way, maybe not fat shamed, but uh, in some way we're offended. What are some steps we can take to uh, get over that? Um, well, you know, the first thing that you really have to do is is forgive yourself, forgive the other person, yeah. um, recognize that it's them and their trauma. Um, let's see. I think that um, I'm trying to find my list of what the seven things were. Um, here we go. Um, so meditation or slow deep breathing right yeah. that's the first one yeah. um do not react it is so hard to sit there when someone is mean to you yeah, and absolutely. and not say anything but you you literally have to be the chair you know like yeah. you're an inanimate object um the third thing is <laughs> again it's them that's their issue and their yeah. pain and it's not for you like we can't fix anyone else we can only fix ourselves that's very true um write it down you know or uh speak it into your phone so not everybody writes down so um not everybody writes so like if you can speak it into your phone or type it into your computer somehow you've got to release it um, and then ask yourself these questions as, you know, you're writing down what happened. It's number one is what the person said true. Um, and if it is, like, who cares if you're fat? You know, you, chances are you already know you're fat, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> They're right? not telling you two anything you is, don't know already. <laughs> right. Is what the person said helpful? Well, probably not because who cares what you weigh, right? Yeah. Um <laughs> Three is the comment in line with who I am as a person. 
So you really have to kind of say to yourself, why do I care what that person thinks of me? Last time I checked, they're not paying my bills. And even if they are, I still don't care what they think of me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And four is, does this person's opinion truly affect my life? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of you. It's it's really, like, that goes back to the four agreements. What other people think of you is none of your business. You know, they're (laughs) going to have an opinion. Who cares, right? The sixth thing is um, to have a talk with yourself, right? And and just to be really honest with yourself. Um, It's really hard to do because there are people that are heavy who are very happy being heavy. And you know what? Leave them alone, you know? Um, And the seventh thing is, uh, who was I, asking yourself, who was I before the comment landed? That's what you want to return to. You want to get back to your own sense of of self-love, right? It's like I am my own person and nobody else, you know, has the right to, to step on me. No, that's for sure. You know? Like you say, what, what? Real positive benefit does a mean comment like that like that have for you? I mean, it doesn't help the other person. It certainly doesn't help you because I'm sure you knew you were flat if you were flat. So it's really exactly. not a positive darn thing. <laughs> you know? Oh wow, you have good eyesight. You know, like <laughs> I mean, uh, I guess my my answer would be so what. You know, if somebody ever so said that to me, so what? Like, does that is that bothering you? Like, and if it is, then yeah. you walk away. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Well, let's talk a bit about your highly informative book, Fat Shame. You tell us that Fat Shame is not a diet book, and it's not about exercise and nutrition. And uh, you tell us the book has something more important to share, and what is it that uh, you're sharing in there? It's really about positive self-body image, you know, and and I think that it's so important that it's it's really more about acceptance, right? We have yeah. to accept who we are. No one else is ever going to accept you or love you until you accept yourself and love yourself. And you're not going to be really capable of loving someone else until you love and accept yourself also. It kind of works that way. Absolutely. Well, does the book contain suggested exercises, and I don't mean physical exercises, but mental exercises and activities that uh, can help readers change their way of thinking? Absolutely. A lot of it is breathing. There's some guided meditations in my book, but what I really, um, usually the sound of your own voice can be rather soothing. So what I always encourage people to do is to read the guided meditation into their own phone and then play it back for themselves. And once you can start to like listen to your own voice and say, oh, I love this person. This person loves me. And you, you continually hear that, you know, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a process, right? Roy, like this took me years to figure out that it wasn't my fault and that, you know, like all of the things that anybody ever said to me, that was all their issues and their trauma it doesn't have any effect on me anymore, but it did for a really I long time. Your book includes access to a free download, Nine Steps to Find Your Happiest Weight. 
And how does a reader obtain this download? So um, if they go to my website, which is www.fatshame.com, there's a link on there where you provide your email address and then I send you, um, it's a PDF of nine steps to finding your happiest weight. Oh, that's great. Um, Because our happiest weight is not always our thinnest weight. My thinnest weight in my 40s is 115 pounds, but I'm not always happy at 115. I'm pretty happy around 120, 121. That's that's so true. You don't have to become twiggy, in other words, too. When you get to be 40, (laughs) yeah, if there's a difference between being healthy and being gaunt, and, you know... (laughs) Gaunt, it is a look, and, you know, if it works for you, it works for you. But the truth is that wherever you feel like the happiest, that is the weight that that you want to aim for. Well, where's the best place for listeners to go to preview and purchase your book, Fat Shame? Amazon.com and then also Barnes & Noble. Oh, yeah. and I believe I have a link to Amazon directly from my website. Okay, that's flatshame.com is your website. And, uh, yes. Okay, well, to conclude, Nicole Day's, uh, Nicole uh, Black's book is not just a diet book, and it's not going to tell you about how to lose weight. You know, there are plenty of books and diet plans, Jenny Craig's Weight Watchers, Nutrisystem, all those around to tell you how to do that. Her book is something far more important to tell you, and that's how to love yourself, even if someone has something hurtful to say about you. And here's the best part. Let's say you presently do weigh a little or a lot more than you'd like to, more than you should for optimum health, appearance, and energy. Once you learn to respect yourself for the wonderful, unique, one-of-a-kind individual that you are created to be, You will take optimal care of your body as your holy cathedral, and you no longer will fat shame yourself. You will begin to diet and exercise regimen that ultimately will create the person on the outside that corresponds to the self-confident, positive individual that you are on the inside in the days of self-blame, lack of willpower, and yo-yo dieting will be over and your whole life experience will change infinitely for the better. And if for any reason you're not at ease with your weight today, not comfortable in your own skin, I highly recommend you preview and purchase Nicole Black's outstanding book, Fat Shame, and best of success in turning within to find your happiest size, which may in fact, as Nicole points out, may not be your smallest size. But by all means, don't consider to fat shame yourself or continue to fat shame yourself or to use extra pounds as an excuse for not living the joyful, fulfilling life you deserve and have the potential to lead. And thank you so much, Nicole Black, for the wonderful heartfelt message you have given us today. Roy, thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, Middle age really can be your best age. Um, It's funny, I... I never thought that I was old, but, you know, I look around at the um, the younger people that work with me, and I think, oh, my gosh, I'm the old person now. <laughs> everyone, everyone around keeps getting younger, don't they? <laughs> well, they do, but it's all good. 
with less of success in the sale of your book and all that you do. Bye for now. Thanks, Roy. Bye-bye. Well, we're going to turn to a subject that is quite popular this time of year, and that's selling real estate. You know, during your middle years, there are a whole host of reasons why you may want to sell your primary residence, a vacation cabin, a condo, perhaps a residential property you own, maybe a job transfer or a new job at a distant location, time to move up, buy a new home with more space and or amenities, downsizing, the kids are grown and have moved out, and your present house simply is too big for your spouse and you, or maybe you're tired of maintaining and visiting that same summer cabin, same location every single year. You'd like to take some different vacations. But here's the thing. You don't want to simply give away your present home, probably one of your largest investments, and you want to avoid the hassle of a long, drawn-out listing period. Well, here's some great news. My next guest, Marlena Erich, uh, reveals that a $10 lamp and placed in the right place could get you $20,000 more for your property. Using clever accessories and lighting tips, Marlena is here to tell us you can create an inviting feeling and showcase the roominess of any space, and she's here to offer suggestions on how you can showcase your own for-sale property. And here are Marlena Yurek's qualifications. She's professionally staged homes in Sacramento, California area for the past 10 years. She's sought after by real estate agents, brokers, and real estate investors. And she's author of the definitive 2018 book, The Secret Sauce of Staging, Getting Your Home Ready to Command Top Dollar in the Real Estate Market. And hello, Marlena Yurek, and welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Hey, well, thank you, Roy. It's a pleasure to be on your radio show. I really appreciate that. Well, sometimes, maybe because of a job transfer, a home sits idle before it's actually sold. You tell us that this idle home, even with outstanding curb appeal, can lose the attraction of prospective buyers and eventually sell for a depreciated price. Why do you think that is? What's wrong with a vacant home? You know, that's a really good question, and it's it's kind of a... It's kind of a it can be a sensitive issue for some people because you know people love to make their home their home you know yeah. which is special to them um, and as a certified home stager um, I like to educate my clients to let them know exactly like what the intent of home staging is yeah. so for instance um, we do have some wonderful um, statistics that show, and these statistics are from the Real Estate Staging Association, that a home that is professionally staged will sell 73% faster than its unstaged counterparts. So that is just fantastic. And a lot of people don't don't know that, um, that, you know, they they can have like the basic bones and um, it just needs a professional touch and and you can not only sell your house faster 73% faster but you can also command more money for a home <laughs> that is good. professionally staged <laughs> yes as a matter of fact a Coldwell Banker Real Estate Corporation discovered that staged homes 
are usually sold 6% above the asking price. Oh, wow. And of, yeah, <laughs> and of course they spend less time on the market, too. Yeah. So it's just it's just amazing. It's a, it's a wonderful investment. Uh, people will uh, probably see an 8 to 10% return on their money. Sure. So, um, you know, I always uh, like to work with real estate agents and real estate investors to encourage them to build professional staging into their into their budget. Well, and what in fact is home staging, and how is home staging different from home redesign or home upgrade? <laughs> yeah, good question. Yeah, well, home staging is 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 um, a process, and I I really feel it's kind of like a it's kind of a almost a creative artistic kind of process that will create a space that will appeal to the most number of potential buyers. So, yeah, because everybody has their own idea of how furniture should be spaced. So you exactly. can't please everyone. I guess you're going for what will appeal to the most. <laughs> exactly. And and so, like I said in the beginning, you know, it can be kind of a sensitive issue because people, you know, they love to make their, their home their, their palace, yeah. and rightly so. And they don't when get to keep the furniture that people own that lived there before, so they're going to bring exactly. their own stuff in anyway. But uh, yeah, and you know, and sometimes like when we do a redesign, um, that's and that's the process of redesigning the existing furniture. You know, yeah. we have to consider that we we really want to have kind of an updated look. When on yeah. a redesign, so typically a redesign um, is is about just giving it that um, extra wow factor, <laughs> is what I call it, and and that can be simply done in a lot of a lot of instances. But with the home staging, again, we you know not only do we want to appeal to the most number of uh, potential buyers, you know there's several things that can be done, and and you mentioned that in that example that you gave a little bit earlier about a home that has great curb appeal and that can be awesome but um typically that isn't the whole story because people want to want to walk into a home and have it move in ready yeah in other words they don't want to have to paint walls they don't want to have to do repairs or anything like that no they want to have the option to do that but they don't want to have to do it the day they move in or before they exactly Yeah, exactly. exactly. So I encourage my clients um, to, again, to keep keep the space as neutral as possible. For yeah. instance, I had a client who had a beautiful home uh, in a very nice area here close to Sacramento. And um, this home was on the market for almost $900,000, and it wasn't moving. And I talked to the real estate agent, and I said, well, why isn't this home moving? And they said, well, the, several of the rooms were painted bright colors. Huh. In one room, in the office, it was, the walls were painted red. Oh, in another bedroom, the walls were painted orange. And, you know, in another room, in the living room, actually, it was, um, was purple walls. <laughs> well, There's these color. are great colors, and people may be real passionate about those colors. They just don't appeal to... The majority of people. No, that's true. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, in that case, I I recommended that that the owner paint the walls a neutral color. Yeah. 
And in this in this case, the owner didn't want to do that. Um, she was wanting to sell sell as soon as possible, yeah. and 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 basically had to wind up lowering her price because people went, you know, they didn't want to have to move in and start painting. Yeah. So. Um, at any rate, you know, people have to make those decisions uh, that are uh, important to them. About and a lot of times it involves timing, and time, along with you know money, extra money to like you know do something like painting. But uh, in the end, you know, it's my opinion that um, those things will will really um, make a big difference, and and can, can get your home sold sooner that rather than later. Well, I know you can't be specific without. Viewing a for sale home, but can you uh, describe in general some of the smart interior staging moves that more times than not will increase the perceived value of a home for sale? What are some Absolutely. good things to do? Absolutely. That's another great question. And what I want to say is, like, probably the number one thing is to start decluttering. <laughs> and <laughs> I knew you'd say that. We have 30 years I know. Of Nobody in our wants house. to hear that, right? <laughs> I know. Like, what? Oh no. Yeah. But it but it really is true because it's it's gonna be first impressions and yeah. you know, people wanna walk into a home and see themselves living in that home. Yeah. So I always recommend that that uh, people create a timeline uh when they're planning on moving or putting their house on the market to create a timeline that will give you time to declutter. And in my book, The Secret Sauce of Staging, I I recommend a, a process for decluttering. Oh, so, great. and so that is outlined in the book. And ideally, it can it can help people just go through, you know, room by room, and make those decisions and be able to, you know, start this process of of decluttering. Yeah. You know, so I that, might buy your book just for that. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Don't plan on moving, exactly. but we sure need to declutter. <laughs> yeah. That's and even in homes that I stage, I recommend that people um, kind of remove, like if they've got like a lot of books, you know, <laughs> on a shelf, that um, that we really get rid of as many as possible. Maybe have like maybe anywhere from 10 to 20, and those would be, Placed in a certain way so they would look kind of artistic and 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 would look inviting, but um, something like a whole wall of books for a lot of people is like they don't know what to do with that. You know, yeah. they just see a big wall of books and they don't That's see easy. how they can use uh, that space to their advantage. If there are a bunch of inexpensive paperbacks, it's not real impressive either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I say that decluttering is like probably the number one kind of um, ingredient for the secret sauce of of staging. And would that be the number one boo boo on the other side that would keep people from uh, being attracted to a house? Obviously, I guess. Absolutely, absolutely. Like because that. yeah, as part of the decluttering, that would mean you know clearing off your kitchen counter and clearing off your bathroom counter because yeah. you, you want to have the impression of, of spaciousness and openness and, you know, again, uh, uh, being able to appeal to people's idea of, like, seeing themselves in that space. Yeah, that's so they don't such a see... crucial uh, point you're making. You, you have to think in the mind of the buyer, is this a space I'd like to be in? Is this my dream? Exactly, oh. exactly. And you know, when they walk into a place and they say, well, 
oh, I could paint the orange walls, or oh, I could do, I could uh, clear off all that stuff, or I could, and after a while, it's like, no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) People just want to have it done. Even though they know that the clutter will be gone before they move in, it still sort of destroys the list. Yeah. (laughs) Well, how do you respond to folks who inform that they plan to stage their home themselves? Do all sellers need to retain a professional home stager? And here's a question. How do you find one in your area? Yeah, great. So, you know, I think a lot of people, um, well, you know, they like I said, it, people feel special about about their their personal belongings, and they may not know exactly how to see it through fresh eyes. That's a, so that's a good point. Would, You're used to having something organized a certain way, and uh, uh-huh. you get very nearsighted in terms of how it might yeah. look to someone else. Exactly. So if somebody is planning on staging for themselves, you know, I would recommend like going through magazines and looking at pictures of, you know, kind of current homes or to go to model homes. I love going to model homes and seeing how other people have staged because I get ideas. So going to a model home or looking through like um, a current magazine, you know, with home furnishings and stuff, or even on the internet, you know, you get ideas of like the colors that are in, the accessories that are in, yeah. you know, in terms of in trend right now. But still, you still want to have it so that it's not going. The trend is not going to expire, you know, in another another couple of weeks or so. Yeah. Well, let's talk you about know? your book, The Secret Sauce. Of- staging uh, who who will benefit most from your book is it written primarily for professional home stagers or uh, can a couple that's planning to sell their own their own real estate property also benefit yeah yeah well you know i wrote this book with the idea that it would help um anybody who's wanting to uh update their home and or get it ready for the real estate market. Oh, I see. So what I what I did with this book is that I, but each chapter has a kind of a, an opportunity, what I call a writing opportunity. Oh. And so I ask people to be thoughtful about, you know, kind of what kind of look do they want to create? What do they, what's working in the space that you're thinking of staging or redesigning? You know, what would be the purpose of that space? So it really is a thoughtful process. And, you know, you want to have be able to develop areas in, in a in a room or in a house that, that are, are warm and welcoming and inviting. And yeah. you want to have the people feel those qualities about about the space. You want to feel that about it. You want to have a great end result. So the book primarily was interested for, and was um, written for people who are interested in getting their home ready for the real estate market. Oh, and it was well, my in your intention book's to, intro, you inform readers that the book is designed to have everything in one place to be your guide and it, to make life easier. Uh, give us exactly. a couple names of the chapters. They're really uh, fascinating how you go into uh, different uh, aspects of selling the house and staging it. Like uh, chapter yeah. five was getting ready to get ready, the thing nobody exactly. talks about. <laughs> I know. I know. It is kind of an emotional process, you know, yeah. especially for people who've lived in a home for a long time. If your kids, you know, you and your kids have grown up there or whatever, 
it is an emotional process, and yeah. so it, there is this whole thing about getting ready to get ready, you know. I like so, chapter I, eleven, the last five, the five last minute things to do before every showing. Give us one exactly. of those. <laughs> okay, sure. This is like a really a fun thing, and and in my book, I invite people to to um, if they've got kids, they'll let the kids help with this too. So one of the mad that you're moving away from all their friends, they may not want to cooperate. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> kidding. So, so the five last minute things that you can do before every showing. Uh, number one is um, step outside your home and do a quick visual check in. You know, are there newspapers on the porch or flyers or, you know, what does the lawn look like? Is the porch swept? Are there cobwebs on the windowsills? So all of that. And sometimes we we don't we don't see those things because we're just kind of used to having it a certain way. Right. So what I have found to be really helpful is if people will take pictures first and then look at that and say, oh, gee, I didn't realize that all those cobwebs are there on the windowsill. you know, so that way it kind of also makes it a little more objective. So doing that outside, um, you know, check of the surroundings as a visual check-in is really a great number one step because, again, we're back to first impressions. And so uh, the other thing that I mentioned is is to, like, really freshen the air inside the house. So, for instance, if you're cooking, if you're cooking fish or broccoli the night before an open house, guess what? Your house may smell like fish and broccoli. So, you know, and it's not like you want to use, like, strong sprays or anything like that. But um, there's a lot of nice aromatherapies and environmentally safe cleaning products that are great. So just to, like, you know, just just open up the windows and let the fresh air, you know, come on in. Where's the Uh, the best place for uh, listeners to go to preview and purchase your book? Where's a good place to do that? Oh, yeah, on Amazon. Amazon, the secret sauce of staging. Yeah, I found it there. Yeah, it's on Amazon. Now, you have a special offer that you were going to mention. What's that offer? I do, I do. I wanted to offer, for your audience, I wanted to offer a special deal because I love helping to support people. If they want, especially if they're looking at staging or they have questions to ask about staging. So I would like your audience to know that they can text STAGE, S-T-A-G-E, to the following number, 916-507-0544. And I'll repeat that again. So text STAGE, S-T-A-G-E, to... Area code 916-507-0544, and I am offering a complimentary staging phone consultation. Oh, that's great. Yeah, this offer will expire on June 30th, and I just wanted to uh, be able to have people reach out and say, hey, you know, what do I do with this kind of situation? (laughs) And, you know, I can walk them through uh, um, some alternatives. So I know you wanted to, yeah, so I I would love to be able to offer that. And we were talking about the five last-minute things to do besides uh, making sure that inside of the room some uh, house smells good, there's speed cleaning, and I give examples of that in my book, take out the trash, I mean, like trash in every room, and the number five, (laughs) if you have time, is to vacuum the carpet. So (laughs) That's um, not not a bad idea. 
<laughs> yeah, especially in the front, yeah, the, uh, the front of the house, you know, like in the living room. Uh, people like that kind of fresh look. So yeah. those are the, that's a quick overview of those five things that people can do just minutes before a home staging or a, an open house. And again, you know, having everybody on board with an assignment, like kids, you empty the trash and you, yeah. you know, everybody has something to do, you can get it done. Lickety split. Do you have a, a website address where people can go to learn more about you and your services and your book? I do, I do. Thank you for asking. My website is amazing-staging.com. Yeah, that's pretty easy to remember. Yeah. So Don't forget that little dash staging. between amazing and staging. <laughs> exactly, and I wanted to make that real distinctive, so amazing-staging.com. And you'll be able to see some a lot of before and after pictures of, of places that I've staged, and the transformation that has occurred. And um, you'll have a chance to see um, excerpts from my book, some videos. Um, there's a lot of information there. Well, that's great. Well, in conclusion, the need to sell a home is not always voluntary. You may presently reside in Atlanta, and your employer has just relocated to Minneapolis. But the sale may be forced but why not take control of the preparation for sale and the presentation of your home? And as my guest today, Marlena Eric, assures, a small investment in home staging can pay off many times over in the price you receive for your home. Sell your home faster and make more money. Not a bad formula. And whether or not you not a bad formula. <laughs> not whether or not you choose to retain a home staging pro, I highly recommend you preview and purchase Marlena's definitive and all-encompassing book, The Secret Sauce of Staging. And it's the kind of guidebook that no home seller should be without. And thank you so much, Marlene Eric, for joining us. Best of success in your efforts to educate home sellers. And don't forget that offer. Uh, check in with Marlena. Excellent. Thank you so much, Roy. It's been a pleasure. And that's our show for today. Be sure to join us next week when we continue our quest to make middle age your best age. Bye for now. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 